2: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday,
0: I will call upon you to do a service for me.
1: Play the Godfather. Now at chumpacasino.com.
0: Welcome to the
1: family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: This episode is brought to you by Lifetime's Robin Roberts Presents Mahalia. From executive producers Robin Roberts and Linda Berman comes the biopic of the legendary Mahalia Jackson. Grammy Award winner Daniel Brooks stars as the trailblazer whose music moved, inspired, and changed people's hearts. Critics have praised Brooks's transformative performance into The Queen of Gospel as thunderingly good. Directed by Kenny Leon and written by Bettina Jillowah and Todd Kreidler, this Lifetime original movie continues to inspire viewers and highlights the ongoing fight for social justice. Robin Roberts presents Mahalia for your Emmy consideration in all categories. Hello, everybody! Welcome to another episode of Deadline's New Hollywood podcast. My name is Dino Ray Ramos,
1: and I'm Amanda Induca. And so, for this podcast, we have we have another Insecure star. We've we hosted a lot of Insecure stars on here. We know you know, all, you guys know we're big fans of the show. Um, Kendrick Sampson. Who played? Also, fellow
0: Texan. Fellow let's
1: say Texan, that. Who who was Lif Bay? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> on, um, on um,
1: yeah, on Insecure. Um, he's also very big on activism, which is we talk about it um, during the podcast. In depth. Yeah, yeah. He was very um, vocal about. He's very vocal about Black Lives Matter. He's out on the front lines protesting every day, and we had a really great conversation about. What's going on in in the community? What's going on in the entertainment community? Um, what's going on just in the community at large? I mean, he had so much knowledge about about stuff, and it's just really yeah. re- really interesting. We learn really interesting things from him. Um, yeah,
0: and I think what's cool about Kendrick is that yeah, he's in Hollywood, but he is a community leader, and you 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 seldom see that intersection in Hollywood. You know, usually it's a you know they slap a celebrity on the face of a cause and that's it. But we actually see Kendrick doing the work and it shows and like, you could tell he's passionate about it and he's, he's so knowledgeable and he has like good advice. If you guys want to get involved or just like, even just taking care of yourself or, you know, just being involved in like helping create change. And I love how, you know, we talk about community and in general, and how like that is important, and um, of course we talk a little bit about insecure.
1: We, yeah, we try to get some key on season five. Um, yeah. You Guys can listen of, of, of how successful we were. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, he's 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 just doing good work. He has this organization called Build Power that you know he's trying to he's trying to um, empower and 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 implement change within uh, marginalized groups. Um, and it's just, it's just a really, he's just a really interesting guy. And yeah, he said he's from Texas. So this was a nice little Texas native, um, um,
0: Texas episode where we could talk freely. Yeah. (laughs)
1: yeah. Um, So, uh, without further ado, here is Kendrick. Um, well, Kendrick, welcome to Deadline's new Hollywood podcast. We are very happy to have you on here. Especially because you are a Texas native, like yes, <laughs>
0: Texas. We're repping
1: Texas today on the on the podcast. Wait,
0: <laughs> wait. So wait, you're long? Did you go to UT? No, he's
1: oh, from because you.
0: Okay. <laughs> oh,
1: you guys are from
0: Houston. <laughs> he's from Houston. Yes. <laughs> Um, well I used to go to Houston a lot because I went to a and all my friends were in Houston and I would go to Houston every single weekend and they're all still there by the way so.
1: there was nothing to do in, in college station so yeah.
2: <laughs> no,
0: yeah. no there wasn't
2: there wasn't. Yeah, that I mean, that was a pass through on my way to grandma's house <laughs> <Right>.
1: <laughs> um, Cause, but cause like I said welcome this
0: one is UT <laughs> yeah. uh, that right. one oh, it was, oh, it, there's a difference Houston that's yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. How did I not know this?
2: You know, Beyonce doesn't throw up UT. No.
1: Uh, <laughs> 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 it would be cool if she did though. Um, but anyway, so, so like, um, so Kendrick, we like to sort start, start off this conversation by just getting a few, um, just going through your background, learning about, you know, what sparked what, what sparked your interest in this. Crazy, crazy business, like we call entertainment. So, so for you, I mean, obviously, we've seen you. I mean, we've seen you in *Insecure*. You've been on *How to Get Away with Murder*. Um, we've we, we've seen you in so many things. Oh, *Miss Juneteenth*, which just came, which is a great film. If you guys haven't seen it, um, Nicole Bahari, who you start, it's a great film. Anyways, um, but for you, what where did this all start for you? What was your what was who was your inspiration or what what really sparked your interest in in this business?
2: Man, back in the day, it was just, I I used to see movies with Will Smith and Fresh Prince and, um, you know, Denzel Washington and watched other movies with Sidney Poitier. And and even back then, it was Robin Williams and Jack Nicholson. And uh, my dad was a big movie guy. Um, So was my mom, really. But uh, everybody did music in my family. They didn't do it professionally. They were in some business or another, you know, something else. You know, art was like hobbies. Um, but uh, I, when I got to middle school, um, I found out because I, I used to grow up doing impressions and stuff like that, and creating these little characters, you know, that you would play with in the corner, with my hands or whatever, and do. Uh, and my family would always ask me to do impressions and tell stories. Um, so I grew up being a storyteller, but I didn't know people got paid for it. Um, you know, I didn't put that together until uh, I saw this theater program at my school and I got to play, I think, an Australian character or something like that. And um and then I saw like I made the connection. I'm like, wait, kids are doing this. I saw commercials and stuff like I'm like, wait, kids are doing this on TV and I could do that. I mean worst case scenario, I could jump on a trampoline and say fall into the gap right or something you know <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> I can do that yeah uh, and and uh, yeah, my mom gave me a newspaper. I told her I wanted to do it. I was I think 10 11 at the time and my mom is a hustler um she works her butt off um y'all know some curse words are gonna come out but i'm,
0: I'm hey. a- no no no! you could say anything here <laughs> this is <laughs> but, the same
2: space <laughs> but yeah, she gave me a newspaper uh i looked for agent and and um in the newspaper in houston and, wow. and found one and then they called my mom like uh is your son supposed to be calling us? Is this, do you have his approval, <laughs> like your oh, approval? You
1: were calling these agents yourself as a 10 year old? Yeah. Oh! <laughs>
2: <laughs> Keep in mind, my mom had us in like Excel classes in the okay. third. right? So um, she was trying to gear us for business world and, and to be like independent and, and such, and she was single. Uh, so it kind of backfired. Um, mm-hmm because I am very <laughs> diligent and um independent but I but for the arts right <laughs> um which there's a whole business to as well but yeah yeah and then you know I met a bunch of people through acting class I didn't ever stop training mm-hmm. and uh I knew there were a bunch of rich white kids out there that were going to LA <laughs> for a pilot season and like coming back with these stories and my mom was like i ain't quitting my job so you could go to some for months to do a hobby <laughs> so when i turned 18 i moved to la oh wow she
1: so said, wow. when you're
2: when you're grown you could do whatever you want until right. then you're under my roof you know the whole story and yep. i said all right i'm grown
1: <laughs> <hope> oh. no. <laughs> <laughs> um um so when you okay so when you move to when you moved to LA when you were 18, I mean, everybody has a rough start in this, everybody has a rough journey in this business, but especially for people of color, it could be a little bit more, and I'm and I'm being sarcastic, but a, a little bit more challenging. So can you talk about oh your experience when you first got to LA and you were in this in this acting business? What kind of roles were you were you going out for or what kind of roles were you getting?
2: So in Houston very few roles would come to LA, I mean, to Houston period, but also even fewer for black kids, right? And and I couldn't really find black teachers. Um, and so the first thing I did when I got to LA, I was like, I want a black teacher. I want, you know, um, some black men in my life to mentor me. Um, I, I want to be around black people. I was literally like, where are my people? And, um, and a large reason I moved is so that I had more opportunity mm-hmm. and I didn't like a lot of the stuff that I would see that would finally come my way. Mm-hmm. Um, I was turning down stuff when I was like in high school because I was like, this is offensive. I think it perpetuates negative stereotypes, wow. um, and so when I got here, I found Roby Theater Company, which was black-owned through this amazing woman, Marilyn, um, Marilyn Bobian, uh, and and that was introduced me to Paul Robeson, right? Mm-hmm. Amazing mm-hmm. activist, socialist, like incredible dude, right? Um, And then uh, I found Richard Lyons. I found Troy Roland. I found uh, Dustin Felder was actually the first um, and uh, you know, rest in peace. Um, And and, uh, they introduced me to all of their friends and would, I mean like feed me and um, I was broke as hell. Give me the inside scoop on what I need to be focusing on. Actually, our first role on um, a joke, uh, who moved from Houston mm-hmm. as well, Love her. we got the Richard's class together, Richard Lyons' class together, and he gave us the first scene he gave us was um, uh, Betty Shabazz and Malcolm X. But in order to do it, the first time he was like, "This ain't it," uh, and so he made me read the, Mal- the Malcolm X autobiography. Um, mm. so there was a lot of like synergy to on my way to activism as well, yes. uh, mm. informed my art, um, because mm. our existence is inherently political, right? Okay. So, mm-hmm. so it was really, I had a really incredible introduction and was surrounded by a good community of folks. Mm.
0: Um, yeah. mostly,
2: mostly black women, to be honest, that just surrounded me and mm. nurtured me and, mm. and,
0: uh, I'm forever indebted yeah well you yeah you mentioned like you kind of are going into our like what we're going to talk about next about your passion for advocacy and, and, and activism and how that intersects with you know yourself as a as a creator as an actor but um, you mentioned you know the people when you first moved here into LA you know you you, you you found kind of your as they say you know your group your tribe quote unquote mm-hmm. um, but like where did kind of this passion for advocacy and activism activism even come from? Like, uh, did you feel it even before you came to l a? Like how did this kind of just develop in your in your soul?
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: um, I mean,
2: I always had uh, uh, I always had a pull towards being right. Mm-hmm. And I always say, God turned it against me. Mm-hmm. Um, like I wanted to be right all the time, and and I learned, um, you know, through many different people uh, and reading and whatever that uh, in order to be right, you have to admit when you're wrong. Um, what you know, there's a difference from from being right and doing right, um, and uh, And just, you know, the more I went on through life um, and sought that, what is the best way to do right and be right and um, what's the difference and all that kind of stuff. It just led me to be honest to activism. That's the simplest way to say it. Mm -hmm. Um, But there were all of these other things that informed me. Like my dad um, grew up orphaned and, you know, had a hard life, went to Vietnam, grew up in the boonies, boonies, boonies in Louisiana both my parents were super poor used to make their own clothes and would remind us often whenever we wanted any clothes um how they made their own clothes and we should be grateful And uh, would encourage us to make our own as well, which I was always like, "Well, you didn't want to. Why would you want to?" <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, had a good work ethic instilled in me, and and my own experiences, you know, getting harassed by police growing up, or hmm. um, a lot of what I saw portrayed in TV and and film. Um, Led me to doing what I was, what you know, fighting for better, right? And, and like I, I started hanging with like this Colombian girl uh, and this other Mexican girl and this black um, and Anna on a and a bunch of folks, the Palestinian girl, and just being like, where are our roles? And we would be in class, we would be in in these classes mm. with all with all these white people that were working and they weren't great. Like we were like, (laughs) we got, we had to be like without ego, like for real, for real, without ego, even if it's just like that we had more time to work on it because we had no job. We were like, we could pull that shit off, right? Mm -hmm. They're not better than us, but they're working all the time. What's the th- the deal here? So we tried to start writing stuff together and producing stuff, and, mm. and it was just you know we realized we had to fight, and and um and there was a fight that needed to be had in the streets and in the boardrooms and in the casting rooms and the questions mm. we were being asked and all that. So so we did it. Um, yeah. Uh, and and I started trying to produce stuff and write and. And um, and I also uh, started working that first year. Um, I met a pastor from Houston, Frank Wilson, mm-hmm. um, rest in peace as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And I moved in with Ma Ma, uh, who um, is like my grandma. Um, I mean, y'all y'all from Texas, grandma. <laughs> yeah.
1: well, for those who aren't, yeah, for the listeners. Um, yeah.
2: But she wasn't biological. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, um, you know, uh, I was blessed with these people around me. And and this pastor talk, talked about, you know, it was uh, Christmas. He was like, you know, how would y'all feel if people came to y'all's birthday and started asking for presents? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what y'all do on Christmas. It's supposed to be y'all talking about y'all celebrating Jesus's birthday, but y'all around here asking for presents. So that... Um, that, that, that Christmas he made us, um, he asked us to forego presents and go to the homeless shelter. And I was introduced uh. to the, the homeless shelters here and I became obsessed um, with the way it, it the humility that it brought and, mm-hmm. and, um, and saw a lot of the mental health problems that exist in my family and how I was like one step away from, you know being Mm -hmm. one of these people um that have no home as a matter of fact in when in 2007 i think um i had no home for a while before i moved in with mama i was sleeping either in my car or on somebody's couch or wherever Mm -hmm. i could you know so um it, it gave me a passion looking at the the different uh aspects of why people were there right. uh the real reasons of, as to why people were there and how they're criminalized that really led to my activism
0: in la mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It laid the yeah, well, of my yeah so like where did uh was there one particular moment or a collection of moments that made you want to launch build power you know because this this group is like amazing what do you guys do um like was there like a turning point where like oh man I need to launch something because I, I need to do this or like what was was there like a, a watershed moment or was it just kind of organic? Um, it was or,
2: more organic. Uh, it was a long process. It was years, yeah. and years. <laughs> years and years and years of trying to get other people. So from that homeless shelter. Uh, i I started throwing my birthdays there because I realized it was really mm. hard to get Hollywood folks to come um mm-hmm. and and so I started throwing my birthdays there because then people instead of giving me presents, they would give me donation mm. um and and that created a tradition on my birthday and on Christmas um of just getting people to come with me um thanksgiving everybody was there anyway and there were like too many people trying to get their uh feel good moment of the year uh but i was like on these others it's empty and so let's let's uh let's participate in that and then you know still that i realized the difference between charity and activism it charity wasn't getting to the root of it it was a band-aid right and i was just like how do we get to the root of it how do we and eventually through Trayvon Martin and um, Mike Brown, and really trying to figure out what to do and how to get out in the streets and how to change things. I found the Black Lives Matter movement and Black Lives mm. Matter Los Angeles, and um, and other dope radical folks through that, and through activism, and getting Hollywood to involve imbo- involved back then. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. it was like, you know, everybody was worried about PR. I was too, I'm not gonna lie. I was like, I might not have a career after this. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, we we did our best. Um, I even, you know, back then uh, they might not, I'm like, should I say this? But um, I think there's a <laughs> couple people I could mention that I know like Cedric the Entertainer, uh, Megan Good, uh, Steve Jones, there were a, lot, a few of us that were like, um, let's create this uh, organization or, or nonprofit that helps us organize uh, specifically Black Hollywood back then, but Hollywood in general. That was our first attempt, right? <laughs> and, and, um, it was interesting. Uh, and <laughs> there were other, you know, and, and all of us are still working on that in some way. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still talk to Megan all the time and, um, and, uh, Steve and there, and just there's, we, I created, I started finding people like-minded people and over time find found, uh, Mike De La Rocha and Tia Osho, um, through activism. And you know, campaigning for Bernie Sanders and all of these other politicians, and you know, finding our place, and again, trying to activate Hollywood. And we eventually came together and said, let's let's streamline this. We've learned from our mistakes. We've all had different uh, trial and errors, and and let's um, get some money together, and and hopefully get some programming around this and, and that's how Build Power came together.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice. Let me ask you, so, you know, obviously over the summer um, after the murder of George Floyd it, and, you know, the mobilization of Black, uh, Black Lives Matter, it did seem like a lot of these bigger companies, Nike, um, I can't, I think I think, it was Nike, some of these agencies, everybody came out and came out to support Black Lives Matter <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it is and it seems like you know this you know 2000, uh, 2020 the murder of george floyd sort of changed shifted perspectives a little bit I, it did feel like it did feel like people sort of started seeing what we had been saying when we say black lives matter right <laughs> <You're, you're laughs> i'm your face right now so i want to ask you do you think that with what happened i mean i i, I know obviously things happen very slowly in this, and something like racism, institutional racism, is not going to clear up in, in, in a week or a year or whatever, but do you think that there's, that we're going to get some meaningful change from Hollywood um, after all, after everything that happened um, after the summer? Because it did seem like people were, were finally on board, um, coming out with a bunch of initiatives to increase diversity. I know some of the agencies increased pay um, for their interns and they had initiatives to bring more interns of color. <laughs> so, what do what do you uh, think? About it? <laughs> what do you think about it?
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Simon and Schuster. Yeah, yeah, there's um yeah, there's a lot of um. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm gonna be completely honest with you. <laughs> I thought it was bullshit. I, I think it's bullshit now. Mm-hmm. I, I know that most companies, um, uh, all companies really, especially in Hollywood, h- operate in this hyper-capitalism uh, ideology and philosophy and diversity and inclusion came comes from a place of liability,
1: right? Mm-hmm.
2: Um, everybody putting hashtag Black Lives Matter on their social media and their buildings was in hopes that people wouldn't burn their shit down too. Right? Mm. And um, a lot of the, let's be real, internships and an assistant uh, uh, were, were, or was a, was in response, uh, like the, the emboldenment around uh, support for internships and, and mm-hmm. assistance was around lawsuits and mm. organizing.
1: Mm. Assistance
2: being like, I'm done. I'm fed up. Right. Um, a lot of it was in response to demands put out by folks. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and, and what I saw was a lot of people A lot of companies um, figuring out how again not you know how to not get burnt down and and making promises and then stalling on those promises Mm -hmm. until they figured out who was going to be in office Mm -hmm. they were hoping Mm -hmm. when and that was that's my personal experience Mm -hmm. Um, because they were hoping we get trump out and that means Everybody go, we can all go back to normal. We right. can- No more know.
1: racism talk. Yeah. <laughs> no more, yeah. Like, so yeah.
2: Racism's <laughs> done. Yeah. yeah. Post some panels. We put, we gave some people some jobs. It's fine. We gave some overall deals. We don't actually have to honor them. Mm. Um, you know, mm. that's what, ha- I mean, I'm just
1: saying <laughs> yeah.
2: this is nothing new. Um mm,
1: Yep, it's not. Nice.
2: Certain things happen. Mm. It, these, this is cyclical. It was like after Rodney King, right? Um, a lot of you know black entertainment was on TV, but they were under resourced and um, undervalued, and um, I mean there was a surge in the '70s after civil rights. There was so. Right.
1: This is You've seen this before, yeah.
2: So um, you know, I again, I'm always like, where's the proof, mm-hmm. right? um that's why we said prove black lives matter to hollywood it because we wanted to see proof mm-hmm. and while i have seen things happen you know people have brought in di- diversity and inclusion consultants and um you know and
1: multicultural they've all like multicultural units
2: yeah um uh. <laughs> but have I seen any actual change come? I've seen a lot of shifting. I've seen a lot of black people being hired and then the black people that were there or the people of color that were there um, leaving for new opportunities because they're like, y'all had y'all's chance to change this shit. I don't believe y'all hiring a couple new black folks is gonna actually do anything. So they go to (laughs) another one. I'm just saying, you know, you know. You're
1: about to burst. <laughs> Dino's about to explode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. no. We, it's it's a whole other conversation. But
1: yes, yeah. Going. Sorry,
0: Kendrick. I'm sorry if I'm being. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs>
2: I know everybody's experiencing it, yeah. so it's just it is what it is, you know.
1: Yeah.
2: And and I I don't trust it because the model hasn't changed. Right. But, um, mm-hmm. in order to you know, I think. Uh, I'm going to mess up her name, but I think it's Malaika Jalabi, um, who was saying, like, if you to in order to really address or if you address the material needs of black people, if you actually address the material needs of black people, um, it would upend capitalism. And so they give us hyper visibility instead and hope that we will um, settle for it. Right um mm. they don't actually yeah. want to change the systems they don't want to change power i i don't see any power,
1: power. Yeah. yeah yep i was gonna ask you like do you think because obviously the real change is is, is the power right like who's in charge and who is yeah. it seems like there's there's initiatives to you know um we're, we're gonna pledge to you know make 10 films by people of color or to make all these things or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> But it's like who is but who but still who are, are we making pledges to to bring some color to the boardroom are we making pledges to bring some color to the c-suite or or bring some no, no. equity to the c-suite I, I don't I haven't really heard about stuff like that you know because that's yeah.
2: and also who are we bringing because you know it's not just about colorful faces in in white spaces or, not, yeah. or high places right it's It's about an ideological shift as well. It's about moving on from diversity inclusion, aka liability, right? Moving beyond diversity inclusion into liberation, which means you got to get your hands dirty, which means you do have to Mm. be political, right? Um, Which means you do have to shift power and decentralize white supremacy. Um, which is white people translates to in Hollywood to white people making the decisions over which of our stories get told and how right. they get told. Um, yep. We do not have autonomy over our storytelling. And, and that uh, lens I've seen even in recruiting right now, right? In recruiting, um, there are blocks, inherent blocks to people of color and people of different identities, especially Black people um in where they're recruiting where they're finding their people the criteria that they're using that it's impossible with uh I'm not going to say impossible but it's impossible to have a wide net of of people to choose from that look like me um and y'all right if if we're being suspended from school at higher rates if we're being locked up our, our genius is in is in even in Yes, HBCUs and, and college campuses, but not just there, right? <laughs> We're not, our genius yeah. is fine to that. It's also in juvenile detention centers and in prisons and on the streets and houseless communities, um, in the detention rooms uh, at schools. And, um, and just there's so many places that we are um, excluded from because we have touched the American legal system, or we're deemed, our communication is deemed dangerous or um, inadequate or whatever, right? The way that we talk, the way that we move. um, Mm. Right. um, And so we need to change the criteria and the pipelines can't just come from institutions built for white supremacy, um, uh, (sighs) education and such. Um, So anyway. I could yeah. go on forever
1: with <laughs> like Yeah, no, it's, it, no but what you're it's, saying- it's all like true. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's
2: so
0: true. But yeah. I
2: think more than anything, like you said, Amanda, it—it it, it is a power shift in those spaces, in the highest spaces. And I've seen it even in like creatively mm-hmm. white people. Um, I had to give up on some projects because I realized I just do my best to assess people are like, hey, we'd love for you to produce this and star in it. And I'm like, that's an amazing opportunity. This is incredible. Who else is coming to me? But why are all these people white? And if you can't can't, as a white person uh, properly inform this project with Black leads, um, you don't know that it fundamentally shifts what this story is and what this world is that you (laughs) want to present to people. And how are you bringing in other people? And I realized in bringing in Black people in the same way in C-suites and such and why it's not happening as quickly as we want to is because um, they're afraid not only of our skin color and our genders and such, but they're also afraid of our ideologies and liberation.
1: Yeah. Mm. yeah. And yeah. they want to
2: find a way to find Black people or people of color, Brown folks, that will not threaten white supremacy and will not threaten their own power
1: yeah
0: that's it uh, Good. that's it that's the end of the podcast we're done
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> this episode is brought to you by lifetimes robin roberts presents mahalia from executive producers Robin Roberts and Linda Berman comes the biopic of the legendary Mahalia Jackson. Grammy Award winner Daniel Brooks stars as the trailblazer whose music moved, inspired, and changed people's hearts. Critics have praised Brooks' transformative performance into the Queen of Gospel as thunderingly good. Directed by Kenny Leon and written by Bettina Jillowah and Todd Kreidler, this Lifetime original movie continues to inspire viewers and highlights the ongoing fight for social justice. Robin Roberts presents Mahalia for your Emmy consideration in all categories. <laughs> no, it's like everything you said, is like I, I have so many things to say and I'm like I was thinking throughout like my own experiences and kind of you know you hit the nail on the head and 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 just like everything's a checkbox, everything's a token you know change needs to happen from the top down but like that top refuses to let go of their positions because like when we were talking we talked to David Oyelowo and like why should they because this system was built for them so they're going to try to just stay at the top and then what when we try to build our own door they're like oh no nah, uh, uh, you can't do that and they're like oh why can't we play with y'all it, it, it and then it just becomes this whole mess and i'm i'm, I'm over it uh, but, <laughs> uh, but um
1: yeah and you know oh, yeah i i mean i um yeah no 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 i was i was gonna say yeah i i i i i w- can't wait for the day that you know we'll, i don't know if it's ever gonna happen but to see that sort of maybe like people really addressing that addressing you know the um how how to sh- especially like white men I don't I, are they going are they ever going to yeah. address that are they are we ever going to see that so I don't know I, it's one of these things where when I see these changes happen I, I I do get I do get excited that like people are paying attention but yeah I, I do feel like a lot of it is performative too. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of performance going on, you know, so it's just, it's just one of these, I don't know. I, I don't know how you keep, how do you keep going <laughs> in, in, in your, yeah. <laughs> this is really exhausting. You know, even us talking, we talk about this stuff all the time and it's like, is there ever going to be a change? Are we really just, you know, all come saying these things and, and, you know, every hearing people are hearing it, but is there actually going to be something yeah. any action happening i feel like it doesn't seem like it so for for you what what is yeah. your what's your motivation to keep going not just with like activism within the industry but activism within you know the black community addressing police brutality addressing i mean you were out there during uh, the george floyd uh, yeah. protest you were very vocal about it. Um, there's there's been a lot of stuff going on recently with police brutality. When it comes to, to be honest, it is exhausting. It is exhausting to listen to it. It is emotional. It, I don't. I I personally I can't even talk about it as much anymore because it just really yeah. like it's just really it's a really it's a, it really can bring somebody down, bring somebody's spirits down. But you sort of deal with this every single day. So what is your what is your How do you keep going? How do you keep motivating your motivating yourself to keep going?
2: So I think, um, I think, an abolitionist ideology is key, right? Mm-hmm. And understanding that there that it's not reform that will bring us places. That reform usually emboldens the institutions, right? It gives them. It's like, oh, then we need more money to do this or whatever, so that we can be better. But what it is understanding that these systems are so deeply rooted and we have to focus on those roots we have to uproot the tree that a bad seed my favorite way of uh, describing it a bad seed produces a bad tree produces bad fruit a good seed produces a mm. good tree, produces good fruit i grew up in church that's where it <laughs> is, you know <laughs> um, but you have to uproot the, the tree, right? It's always gonna produce bad fruit, like policing. Policing was born out of slave catching and, mm-hmm. and, um, and will always operate that way. Prisons will always operate as a continuation of slavery under the guise of the 13th Amendment, right? Mm-hmm. That's what the whole movie 13th is about, right? right. And so mm-hmm. uh, uproot them and plant new seeds of care, and and peace and uh, nourishment. And th- you have to have a foundation that the roots have to be, the seed had to be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it will always bear good fruit, if that was his intention. Mm-hmm. If we build it well with a strong foundation. That I practice in my, I do my best to practice in my interpersonal relationships, mm-hmm. in myself. I meditate every day and visualize what that world looks like with no cops, right? Mm -hmm. And what we have to do in order to get there, right? How do I think about who's the most vulnerable among my friends, right, among among my family and and work to know if they have a mental health episode, what is our plan, right? That's the system that's gonna replace police coming in. You Mm -hmm. get what I'm saying? Um, yeah, yeah, It starts with us having those conversations and visualizing that world uh, keeps me moving forward. Also, what keeps me moving forward is seeing kids in LA defund school police by 35%. Shout out to LA Students Deserve and Black Lives Matter Youth Vanguard, um, uh, being a part of passing Measure J, um, being a part of holding folks accountable uh, for measure j um when they decide to that they're not gonna spend the amount of money that they said that they were gonna spend right <laughs> um mm-hmm. seeing uh New Mexico in qualified immunity um uh uh New York city council vote to end qualified immunity there these are things uh, seeing whole police departments dismantled um and abolished that is something that literally for the past five years or whatever, people like the most radical folks um, were saying, it's just not gonna happen because of what we have in place and it's happening,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: right? Mm -hmm. On set the other day, um, I've been on a few sets but Mm -hmm. I've, (laughs) uh, and it's been interesting, yeah. Yeah. But we we still use cops, right? We still use cops in Hollywood. If we're thinking about where we need cops the least, Mm. why do we have them at our performances, at uh, events in in Hollywood on our sets? And one of them had a Blue Lives Matter license plate and a Blue Lives Matter um, hat. And I said, I talked to the producer, one of the producers who's been super supportive, um, And he was like, I said, I think he needs to go. Uh, and he was like, done. Mm-hmm. And he was like, and I'm gonna raise hell because we don't need these police on set. He was like, there's no reason. Mm-hmm. The only reason we have them is because we have to, and I've told them that we wanna move on this since last mm-hmm. year and they have not responded. So I'm a light of fire under their ass. Mm-hmm. This is not something that would have happened a year ago. Right? I would have been like, we got to move him. And, and maybe I, they would have been like, ah, I don't know. I don't want to shake and ruffle anything.
1: <laughs> right?
2: um, but that's the type of stuff that keeps me going. Seeing people organizing around, people fed up, and people actually open to the idea that it is the entire system. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the entire system. And we need a new system. And people, not being less afraid to talk about that we need more people to talk about it unapologetically but um i would say those are my two things that keep me going is meditation and visualization and then the wins right the wins that they try to diminish Mm -hmm. i ain't gonna lie it's it's exhausting i'm you know i (laughs) with all the resources i have i have more resources than most people in my community to be well um than the most of the people in my community to be well and in my family more than anybody, really in my family. and um, and I still get depressed. yeah, I still am exhausted and tired and um, and at times super anxious. I have pretty severe anxiety. um and so I'm not saying it's easy, but that's what keeps me going.
0: yeah. 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 Going to that, because, you know, activism, you know, I think all communities of color, uh, you know, the black community, Latinx, and like, especially now, I'm par- I'm very active with the Asian community, uh, with what's going on there. And, you know, I try to give love to all communities, obviously, and that's a lot. But, you know, you know, when it comes to activism, there's a lot of like these misconceptions, like so many people, including myself, sometimes I feel guilty for not being able to go to a rally or go to a you know uh, to show up it's like oh if I don't do this you know I, I'm I'm not it feels like I'm not you know supporting or you know you then that's when you spread yourself thin and then you're just like you know I'm I'm useless but you know <clears throat> excuse me um but what are things you think people can like genuinely do I mean you, know, you probably get asked this a lot but you know I think this platform is, is a great way to kind of voice this like what things can people do that could actually genuinely help the, the cause instead of, you know, being performative or virtue signaling or, or, or all of that, because I think right now. A lot of people feel helpless, you know, like some people can't go out and march some people can not do this or they really don't do social media or whatever. But, you know, what do you say to people who can't really who feel helpless in moments like these?
2: I think a lot of people um, feel helpless. One, because it's constant and it's a drain on our mental health. Two, because we're always taught individualist ideologies, right? We've, th- that is the American way to be completely. Mm-hmm. And it's divisive, It's it keeps us from organizing together and thinking about the collective at all times, right? And so getting out of that, getting your mind out of that, that's part of my meditation every day, Mm -hmm. um, is making sure that I'm always thinking about the collective because I was even looking at this monologue that I have to perform. And it was very much like centered around getting to the top and it's lonely at the top and um, you have to shed your community. Sometimes everybody can't come with you. It's the things that we've heard over and over again. But that's not really power. Power that's hierarchical. That's wealth building. That's you know uh, capitalism, right? Mm-mm. Power is an ecosystem. Power is together. Power is in the collective. Mm-hmm. That is organizing together. That's how you, um, within institutions because we all ha- always have to be thinking about liberation, wherever we are, we always have to be thinking about liberation and I always think about it through the lens of abolition, uprooting, uprooting and building new systems. So in order to do that together, we have to have these conversations, like I said, you know, if somebody's suffering from addiction, how do we surround them, support them and love them and not turn them mm-hmm. over to uh, the American legal system, right? How do we create systems to take care of our folks if there's some, something problematic happening, domestic abuse or harassment in the workplace or white supremacy, right? That we see every day in the workplace, mm-hmm. um, p- uh, pay problems, whatever. How do we organize around it, find other like-minded people? Um, because I wouldn't have gotten through last year if it wasn't for a community that I've built over the past five or six Mm. or longer. I've been doing my best to think about, again, through a lens of abolition, how to build strong community, interpersonal Mm -hmm. relationships, how to uproot the bad habits and toxic culture that hinders relationship building, um, that, that keeps us from being well. And, and I build community as best as I can around that with all the shit that we got to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we have to do that. That's what keeps us going. I wouldn't have been able to do it without community. It's not a, an individual practice. It's not just going to therapy. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That is a very important one. But our mental health has to do with job security. Our mental health has to do with nourishment exercise, sunlight, especially for people that have darker skin, okay? Uh, we need <laughs> to kiss our melanin, right? Um, and so there is so much that has to do with taking care of each other, um, interpersonal relationships,
0: um, but that, that is, that's most important, I believe.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think I so love too. that. I
0: love that. Whole, yeah, I love how you said about, you know, community, because I think that's I think that's paramount like you know just kind of having someone to have your back is always nice and having people to advocate for you is always good
1: yeah um so obviously we can't end this podcast without asking you about (laughs) here (laughs) The tears a little bit um season five obviously uh, we now know it's going to be the final season um is there anything that you can tell us about what to expect
0: can you just tell us everything? <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: so who's, who's it going to end up with? No, I'm just
0: <laughs> I, One, I don't know.
2: Two, okay. uh, that's just the truth. But uh, to <laughs> um, pivot, that is actually a really great example of some beautiful community.
0: Because yeah. um, a, mm. um, a lot of
2: people say, a lot of people, I've had people be like, well, you know, it should it's easy because you're on a on a set with a bunch of black people. And I'm like, I've been on projects with black people that didn't support each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, not, it's not just a given that we all think alike, right? And that we all um, are gonna get along. Um, we are we are not a monolith. Uh, we think differently, we come from different places, but I personally, my, my experience has been supported. Um, even when I disagree with folks, uh, I feel supported and I feel privileged to be there um, and to be a part of history. And this fifth season is going to be historic. And yeah. dope. Uh, oh, God, I can't wait. I, uh, it's going to be that type of entertainment that we need mm. um, after a couple tough, years or 2020 whatever you want to call it yeah (laughs) um but yeah it's gonna be really incredible i you know um yeah i think it's gonna be
1: fun that's all you could say (laughs) (laughs) we get it i can't wait i mean the show always touches on topics so i just can't wait to see what you guys have in store um for this for this season and hopefully for the movie i'm just kidding <laughs>
0: <laughs> we've had so many it's we've had so many insecure uh, uh guests on we've had yeah so we natasha uh hodge or alexander hodge and now you it's like yeah, and yeah. All, of them,
1: all
2: of them have alex did um something for our liberate mental health um he mm-hmm. did a um uh up uh RG Live with uh oh, her name, Rang Basi Um okay. and talked about mental health and bipolar the experience of bipolar uh disorder. And then um, you know, Issa and Natasha have been super, super, super supportive um in the streets
1: and <laughs> behind the scenes. Love Tasha's uh and Natasha's <laughs> Greg Abbott or not Greg
0: Abbott, that's, that's- <laughs> Oh, camp, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get it with Trump. I, I, I,
1: I like every single time she. Like it's like every time she. Yeah, me too. It's like, it's
0: just like all. Oh, it reminds you, like, oh yeah, he is trash. <laughs> like when she's committed, like she is committed.
1: <laughs> with,
2: you know, with comedy, yeah But it's serious, right? Yeah, I, I think that it's incredible. I've learned so much being there, um and uh they're a great model for how, if we're looking at, I'm not saying that they're coming from an abolitionist lens, I'm not not speaking from them, but I have learned and seen through this community um, type uh, project, how to touch all aspects, how to invest in the community, Mm. right, in South LA, how to employ um, people uh, that need employment, including Mm. formerly incarcerated folks, how to employ and support creatives, um, Black mm-hmm. creatives uh, and uh, actors, and just, you know, yeah. and, and then be outspoken and be dope. Yeah. So.
1: I love that. I know. Um, okay, so just um, a way to, the, we like to end these um, interviews, is a segment we call the facts or the FAQs. Um, so just random questions that we like to ask. Um, uh, so Your first question is, what is, what? With, sorry, what is one restaurant from Texas that you miss the most?
2: Ooh. Um, mm, I was gonna say, I used to go when, on special occasions, I used to go to Brennan's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Creole. Mm. Uh, I just, you know, I love Creole food, but there's a turkey leg hut, too, um, that's like, <laughs> The turkey
1: legs, it's Ooh, I haven't had a turkey
2: gluttonous, uh, but it's incredible. <laughs> it's like a block party outside and it's black owned and it's dope.
1: Yes,
0: wait, where where in Houston are you from?
2: I'm from most city, so Missouri um, city. I grew up oh, Missouri, city. okay. <laughs> and and I grew up, um, like on the southwest side and then most city, I would go to school and literally lived on the you could on my street, you could do like this. You could like straddle mm-hmm. the, the middle of the street and you were either
0: in Houston or Mo City. Oh nice. Um oh, so, yeah. Wow, yeah. Oh dope. Cool. Um what was okay, what was the series that or yeah, what was the series you most recently binged? What is the most recently uh most recent series you binged watched? Uh a different world. <laughs> Yes. Oh, dope!
1: me <laughs> need to rewatch A Different World.
2: <laughs> I just I
1: literally That's...
2: finished it last night.
1: Oh, I, nice. I, I it's
2: listened. interesting watching it now, huh? Like, it's, uh, really interesting. it's so interesting. And <laughs> in seeing a lot of, like, what's happening now. Still
1: happening, right? Yeah. Mm. That's what I, I watched Living Single. I was binging yeah. Living Single. And I was like, how <laughs> oh, many relevant things in this movie. I mean, in the show. Um, okay. Yeah. If you could erase one event from history, what would it be? <laughs> one yes. only only one event <laughs>
2: um shit I don't know I guess colonization I don't know uh
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one that, that's the only one <laughs> uh,
1: i would I would definitely erase trump from being president that's that's i think that's what i because <laughs> yeah I just him. because why yeah, why and, and, uh, yeah because
0: i hate him um, anyway
1: go ahead <laughs> <Dina>. <laughs> um okay
0: uh Kendrick, what what is the weirdest thing in your refrigerator
2: um probably I ain't really got much in there Uh, I had some old
0: (laughs) that's the weird part maybe (laughs) I had some
2: old aloe vera I think uh uh
1: yeah (laughs) speaking of weird I just recently learned that people don't put ketchup in the fridge and apparently that's weird that people because I put ketchup in the fridge i think that's where it belongs (laughs) but apparently that's weird i I didn't know that i thought everybody did but i recently learned that's not common
2: (laughs) yeah i feel like yeah there's all all... i don't know is weird like i (laughs) i put peanut butter in the fridge
1: Mm, that's that i did too yeah like peanut butter jam jelly all
0: eggs in the fridge some people don't put eggs in fridge. Some people don't put their butter in the fridge. It, it, it's That's weird. Really
1: weird, yeah. Okay, next question. You- <laughs> it's the same people who don't
0: <laughs> wash their legs. So there you go. <laughs> 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 uh, okay.
1: If we asked your family and close friends, what's your worst habit? What would they say?
2: Mm. <laughs> worst habit? Probably I, I'll say there's a couple a couple uh, of <laughs> my buddies that hate. I have a I have a compulsion. I really cannot help it hmm. that I I correct people's uh, pronunciation and grammar under my breath.
1: Oh yeah, that's. Good. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, I can see how that's. <laughs> I
2: don't ever I don't ever really hear it or whatever and I might just mouth it or whatever. It's just like a it's like a you know don't step on the crack kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's just like it'll come out. I'm hoping nobody sees me or hears it or whatever. Sometimes it's like completely involuntary <laughs> and I have a couple buddies that are like fuck you. Because <laughs> they catch it.
1: Yeah I can I can definitely see how that's annoying. Dina, are you frozen? I think Dino's frozen. I think he's frozen. Okay. So <laughs> Let me, I'll ask the last question since Dino is frozen. So we asked this to all our guests. Um, is there an underrepresented voice, whether it be an actor, um, writer, producer, anybody in the entertainment industry that is not maybe mainstream or maybe not a lot of people know about them, but deserve more shine?
2: A lot of them. Um, I love Chinon Um I think Uh, Child is a director that (laughs) is really incredible, uh, doing some music videos and different projects. Um, uh, Yeah, there's a lot of them I I love. And then I, you know, I want to shout out all my people. I'm like, Fabiana Rodriguez, she has some incredible art and um yeah there's a bunch of I don't know there's so many
1: yeah I mean we just yeah that that's a good list I just want you know just give give giving a shout out to people that like I said they're doing dope things maybe we haven't heard of them yet but we'll we'll hopefully be hearing from them soon if you Um, haven't
2: seen random acts of flyness and that whole team is incredible uh
0: yeah yes
1: <laughs> so, Sorry. <welcome> back. Team. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like my internet just went out. Like yeah. literally. It just like, went out. It for, looked like you were minute. about to
1: say something, but then you're just kind of sitting here through, like, is he frozen or is yeah. he gonna say something? <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: wait, what 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 were we talking about before I left again? Well uh, we just
1: did, I just did the last question because Okay, okay. We're frozen because yeah. I
0: I <laughs> yeah. I was like all rude and left. Um, <laughs> yeah, it looked like you were
2: like I didn't like your answer. So.
0: <laughs> oh no no no! No, what I was gonna say is like oh, I could totally picture that because I think I may do that as well. What you were saying about worse habits when like you correct people's grammar and when mm-hmm. someone's like all to who and you're all to whom, you know that <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. <laughs>
1: Yeah. 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 And I do it
2: super whisper, like I'm like,
1: ah uh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, like damn, I did it again. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's okay. People should know correct grammar anyway. Grammar's better. no, they should. Sure. And yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, I'm oh. I'm a journalist and my yeah. grammar is trash.
1: <laughs> <Mine so> is. <laughs> like, well,
0: here's where I'm so hypocritical.
2: I like purposefully uh betraying grammar. Like and mm-hmm. here's here's why I saw I I founded in Spanish, and I'm gonna do my best to keep this short. So in Spanish, uh, there's like, you know, people talk about Mexican Spanish and Puerto Rican Spanish and all of this, right? And they're like, they'll always tell you if you wanna get better with your Spanish to go to places that are closest to Spain, right? And then I always am like, but Spain's the colonizer, right? And I'm like, who wants to sound like the colonizer? I don't want to go to the hood and be like, hello, how are you, <laughs> like, you know, and try <laughs> to help folks out, like, you know, kick me out. Um, and so I, I gained an appreciation for um, the indigenous folks and, of Latin America um, and black folks in Latin America making the language their own, right? With their own inflections, their own, like, I, I compare um, uh, Caribbean Spanish, especially like uh, Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico to like Atlanta, right? Because <laughs> they, <leave laughs> they leave out syllables. It's like, you know, learning English and talking to the Migos or something, right? <laughs> um, and and I gained an appreciation through that, appreciation through that through my, for my own people and how we talk and our inflections and the African, you know, uh, sounds and such that we incorporate, and and uh, and I love it. I I just I fell more and more in love with that um, mm-hmm. because. Fuck the colonizers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's and a, on that that's note, not the perfect way to end. <laughs> and on that note, let's end this. Kendrick, thank you so much for joining okay, us today. This is great. I loved it, guys.
0: Yeah. Hashtag FTDC. Fuck the colonizers.
1: <laughs> yes.